Hey everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 174. Hooray! Hooray. Right, I've got a bone to pick. I've been listening to last week's episode and it was unacceptable. All You hate everything. Paul always hates everything. So we've decided to get rid of Paul. That seems reasonable. <laughs> I mean, after those comments, it was definitely him that said about the Xbox One. It wasn't me. I, no. I love my Xbox One. Um, and that's what the Microsoft man with the gun behind me told me to say. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, yes, you can tell that it's just myself and Kieran this week. Uh, Paul is busy. He may join us. Um, he's got some things to do in the real world, some deadlines and things to meet, so he may join us later on. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. There you go. That's keeping you in suspenders. Uh, but other than that, we got a couple of things to talk about this week. A few things that have been happening and games come out and so Kieran why don't you start us off and let us know how have you been getting on with Nier Automata uh, I finished Nier Automata which oh. I didn't really expect to but I finished Zelda as well and then I was like okay now I have all this time to put into Nier Automata and then uh-huh. I got all except for one of the endings in that game um so I think I mentioned a bit last week, but uh, Nier Automata is the kind of big JRPG with kind of platinum style action kind of combat. So it plays like Bayonetta or something. Um, but the way that game works is you finish that game and then you go back into that game again and you play through the same story again and you get a different perspective of the story. And there's <clears throat> you basically have to play through the game twice and then the, it opens up a second kind of chapter basically or third chapter I guess technically and that has much bigger changes and uh, adds way more to the story of it all um, and I just got super engrossed in it and played the shit out of it and it's just so good um, that story goes some really weird and dark places um, it's very kind of focused around you know what it means to be human and whether these robots are human or not because all the machines are starting to develop humanoid kind of personalities and um, kind of you know traits basically right and it's it's really cool it's they do some neat things with it and go some neat places with it that I didn't really expect it to go it goes darker than I expected it to go in a lot of places and yeah it's just really, it's one of those things I can't really talk too much about without spoiling it so I don't want to right, okay. go into like what it does but it's a damn good story um, one of the better ones I've played in the game in a while alright okay um, yeah it's, I highly recommend that game like it's among my favourite of this year by far um, up there with Zelda so far cool yeah um <laughs> seems to be a phrase we're hearing quite a lot of at the moment is uh, one of my favorites of the year <laughs> yeah. well there's a lot of great things coming out this year there yeah definitely yeah oh but good it's uh, it's, yeah it's one of the games that i i want to check out as well um so i need to actually pull finger and start playing more games <laughs> 
definitely. I think you'll probably quite like that one because it's that kind of Devil May Cry-ish combat but wrapped around a, a, in a lot of ways quite traditional JRPG but right. again then it has a story that does stuff that is just uncommon for video games. Uh-huh. And it, it handles it a lot better than a lot of I'd say even like a lot of movies do as well. Right. Yeah. Um, but it does nope. have that weird kind of hook where it's like you need to replay this game which I'm not usually a big fan of, so the fact that I really enjoyed this is probably, you know, telling for anyone that's slightly worried about that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Like, I don't like having to replay games to get different endings and things like that. And the way that Nier Automata, or Automata handles that is very different from most other things, so it doesn't just go right replay through the exact same story and then you know make a different decision in this place and you'll get a different bit it's when you replay that game you're getting a different context for the story right off the bat right so yeah even though you have to replay it multiple times it's worth it cool for sure yeah um you have been playing red racer 3d i have yeah so i was away uh, last week when you were recording the podcast I was away on holiday and I was in Europe away in Portugal and I took my trusty 3DS with me and you know how sometimes you get that you go I've, I I tend to take with my, my 3DS I'll take all my games with me because I've got these two little handy um, boxes and they carry most of my games so I can always have them with me and you know how you get that point you go I feel like playing you know one of my older games and I went through and I tried a couple of things. I tried Puzzle Bubble Universe, which is always good. That was good to kill some time on the plane. And I also put in, just for a laugh, the Pilot Wings Resort, which was one of the, the launch games in the 3DS. Yeah, I seem to remember that game not being super exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It, it's very pretty and everything, but it is a proper Nintendo a launch game that takes advantage of all the the weird features that are used in one or two games at launch and then they're never yeah. ever used again you know um, it's the, so, the one two switch of its of its time um, yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I put it back in and had a wee look and it was okay and I had a look at Ridge Racer 3D because I just had a hankering to play a racing game that game still holds up. It is a fantastic racing game. I think I've done this before. I think I have picked up Ridge Racer a couple of years ago as well. After you know, once it came out, and I'd I played quite a lot of it when it first came out. I'm pretty sure I went back to it again. Yeah, I think you have. Um, I know that we both definitely went back to the Vita one, even though it's not necessarily the best Ridge Racer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This one is ten times better. It has, you know, it's got all the tracks. They look really good. The car models are very good. Just the amount of content that's in there. Um, I've been playing through it again, and uh, I had my my headphones. I've got a, a set of Beat headphones that I use for listening to music and things like that. And I, what I did was I, I hooked it into my 3DS because I was on the plane. And I was listening to the soundtrack, and it's a very good soundtrack. And there is, I, it made me realise as well that there are Ridge Racer songs, believe it or not, that I've never heard before. 
um, there are that many songs and just having a blast with it. So the the main single player mode is what they call the Grand Prix and what you're doing is you're, there are, I think it's for each difficulty level, is there 30 or 40 different Grand Prix? Each can, most of them consist of four races. And once you get to the lower level, sorry, the higher levels uh, of each difficulty, you're expected to come first in all four races to advance to the next one. I am now on the advanced, the expert level. So I've done the three, le- the two levels before it. And I am racing now. I think I find the game a little bit easier than I did when I first played it. And that's obviously, you know, that's just evolution of games, you know, because we're used to playing our Forza Horizon 3s now and our Project Cars and things where the difficulty level is... It's a lot harder. So Ridge Racer. Like you've also played a lot of it at this point. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but I was quite surprised how quickly I was able to step my game back up. Yeah, just to pick it back up and not yeah. be relearning it, basically. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, the, the some of the races I have been losing by you know a whisker. <laughs> it's been really really close, and you know I'll. I'll lose the race and I'll oh, you bastard, I'll get you. And straight back in, you know, racing the the, the exact same race again. Mm-hmm. There's n- you're not being frustrated. It is a v- it's a very good challenge at this point. I'm just really, really enjoying it. And uh, did you manage to pick up Ridge Racer 3D? I never picked up Ridge Racer 3D. Um, I played a lot of the Vita one. Yes. And that was kind of the only one that I, you know, played a lot of. Yeah, um, it is very good. I, I've i got the, the new 3DS, and I thought, I've not played with the, the 3D on in a while. And I put it on, and with the you know with the new 3DS, it's got the, the improved 3D, so it's got the, the camera, the dual cameras track your eyes so that the 3D is always there. And it wor- see, when that 3D works, that game is really, really good. There's a point where it was actually disconcerting. I had to turn it off. <laughs> I do remember the, the that was the first game you showed me when you had 3DS, like long before I got mine. Yes. And that was the game that I was kind of like, all right, maybe this 3D thing does look pretty good then. <laughs> so I was pretty skeptical about it before. Yeah. Um, and it was one of the games, you know, it was one of the flagship games to show off the 3D. And I, I still think it is. Yeah. Uh, it is a solid, solid racing game. It still looks very, very good, even on the new 3DS uh, with the the little faster processor. I think it performs a little better as well. You can play that. Definitely, I definitely still recommend seeing if you can pick it up and buy it. Um, so yeah, if you've got a, a 3DS, maybe um, see if you can. Yeah, definitely. I think my 3DS has basically just became my girlfriend's Animal Crossing machine, so... Right. So what happens? Uh, <laughs> Switch has replaced it for me. Uh, you can pick it up for about 7 or £8 pound on Amazon used. That's not bad. Um, and then there's there's people selling brand new copies. Yeah, that's somebody taking the mick. <laughs> brand new look- sealed copy of Red Racer 3D is rare. Yeah, yeah, but he wants thirty nine plus thirty pound plus thirteen pound shipping. No, I don't. I don't think so. 
<laughs> but yeah, so that's what I've been up to. Uh, you have, how you been getting on with Zelda? Have you finished that yet? Yeah, so I finished uh, Zelda uh, like just a couple of days after the last podcast. Right. So I haven't, I've not completed it, I guess. Like there's still plenty of stuff to do in that game like that world is massive and filled with just things and that's kind of the best part of it overall i think like the dungeons are great but there's like four main dungeons and that's kind of it uh-huh. and then there, i guess five if you count kind of the final area um but there's just so much other stuff in the world that's the actual kind of interesting part of the the, uh, the stuff to do so exploring that kind of big massive open world and just climbing up things and there's lots of puzzles hidden throughout the open world itself most of them kind of the only downside i'd say is a lot of them lead to shrines and koroks which are little little dudes little uh, forest dudes from uh, wind waker who are in this game as well and they've got a bunch of puzzles hidden throughout the world but it's just kind of that thing where it's really awesome that there are all these puzzles and stuff hidden throughout the world and as someone who likes puzzle games I am happy just to you know travel through this big open world fighting bad guys and doing puzzles but the fact that all the rewards for these puzzles are by the way here's a shrine which are like kind of mini dungeons or here's a korok like every single time it's just here's the <laughs> two things you can get for this they're good things but yeah. yeah when there's so many of them exactly there's like I think there's like 900 <clears throat> Korok seeds you can get, something like oh, that. Oh, God. <laughs> um, which is fine, because Korok seeds are super... They're First of all, they're the thing you need to upgrade your inventory space, so you get them and you get enough of them, you go to an NPC and he puts them in his maracas, because he has maracas, and that's right. what seeds are for, and he dances a bit, and then you can hold Fair more enough. swords, as you can, you know? Yeah, as you will. Yeah. So it works. Uh, there's like 900 or so of those. And then shrines are... There's 120, I think. And shrines are the more in-depth of them. Uh, they're little puzzle rooms. Like, at, at their best, they feel kind of like... Uh, they feel like a single room from another Zelda dungeon. Or like... Uh, to compare it to something that's not Zelda, I guess. Um, the Like, test chambers and portal, basically. You know, they're like right. self-contained little puzzles that escalate a couple of times to show you like here's the basic way to do it here's a more complicated version of it great you solved the puzzle good job you get a reward uh the reward is always the same for all the shrines which is you know again also not the best thing in the world but they kind of have to for the way they're structured the game where you can go anywhere and do anything and it's not very linear so if they had a shrine that gave you the best sword in the game you could just run there and do it so it doesn't really make sense to do that Uh uh-huh yeah, uh, but it's it, it's a really fantastic game. That those puzzles are some of the best Nintendo has made, and it doesn't fall into the category of doing you know what you were saying about Pilot Wings, despite being a launch game, where you know it uses every gimmick of the Switch or anything like that. Right. Okay. Uh, there are a couple of shrines that use motion controls, which is th- those are amongst the worst shrines in the game right but yeah it seems to be that the the zelda game was more it was a serious game 
and you you get that with some of the launch games where it's that this is the game that's for the hardcore gamers yeah and we'll you know we'll put some of the the features in there um but they're not you know you don't need to use them every single level yeah and this game did also start off as a wii u game so there's probably parts of that there as well where they're like we're not using all the gimmicks of the switch because it's a wii u game so it right. also doesn't apparently doesn't use the tablet controller on the the wii u either so that's right a strange one because yeah there's definitely parts of it that seem like it would be beneficial like to have a map down there in a world that's that big having like a full map down there in front of you might be one of the actual few good uses of that gamepad right and they decided no we don't need it yeah because they're like nah you're focused on the switch now so <laughs> do, do switch things ignore the way you i mean <laughs> ship it but ignore it yes yeah yeah uh it's fair but it's really it's one of those things that it makes sense as a launch game for the switch because even though it doesn't explicitly use any kind of weird gimmicks and stuff like that it does use kind of the main selling point of the switch which is you know you have a portable system that you can play this big massive full zelda experience on uh-huh. You know, it's not just another. I say just another. Like uh, a link between worlds was one of my favorite games, but you know, it was a top-down, you know, retro-styled, two D-ish Zelda game. You know, that was kind of made to be a you know sequel to a Link to the Past. Uh huh. And this is, you know, this is the next mainline Zelda game. This is the big one that they spent all of their money and effort making, and it shows. And it's the one that kind of moves the series forward, both story-wise and, you know, because no one really cares about the Zelda story much. <laughs> but, you know, gameplay-wise, more importantly. Uh-huh. So it's the fact that it is this big, massive experience, but you can play it portably. And I've played a lot of it portably because I've taken my Switch with me to work pretty much every day since I got it. And I've been playing, right. you know, Zelda on the tram all the time. It's good, just, good. It's just awesome. Yeah. Um, we've both been playing one of this month's PlayStation Plus games. We have, yes. So. Which is Disc Jam. Again, so Disc Jam. It got announced, and I thought, right, okay, what is that? Um, I thought it might have been just from the name. It might have been some sort of rhythm action game. And then as it was getting closer to, you know, it coming out on PSN, I had a look and the first thing it jumped into mind was, shit, they've remade Windjammers. Yeah, it's, it's very much them going for that Windjammers market. Is yes. There, is there a Windjammers market? It's... Definitely, because anyone that you speak to that played Windjammers loved it. Yeah, but I don't think a lot of people play. I only know about Windjammers because of Giant Bomb. Right, okay. But also, I really like Windjammers, and <laughs> like I played it after Giant Bomb played it a bunch, and then I really like it. I'm looking forward to it. They're making a PS4 version of Windjammers that comes out this year. Yes. With yeah. online multiplayer stuff, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, I wasn't intending to play Disc Jam. Like I, I downloaded it, but I was like, eh, don't really feel like playing anything kind of multiplayer and silly just now. 
I you know fell off Rocket League for a while, so if I right. wanted to, I think I'd probably like my online silly sports game of choice is probably Rocket League. Yeah. But then I finished near and was like, I need something light and <laughs> not depressing and something yeah. that, something that I can wipe these tears from my eyes and then <laughs> continue playing. Uh, and so I ended up playing a bunch of Disc Jam online. Uh, did you get to play much of it so far? No, I uh, I thought there might be a, you know a single player mode in there somewhere, um, and no, there is no. there isn't there's a, there's a training level. Yeah. So, you know, there are a couple of training levels. You've got the basic moves and then you've got advanced. And so I played through that and thought it was quite good. And I have played, I think, either two two or three games online. I did that on the weekend. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's good. Uh, I quite enjoy it. I think uh, the person I played as well, I think... Or the the people that I played, uh, luckily, had probably done the same as me. They might have been away or something, and it was their first time <laughs> putting it in. And the matches were quite even. Yeah. And but I have seen other people playing. I, I think I've seen some video footage you put up as well. And of me yeah, destroyed. You, yeah, you you can <laughs> you can become very good at that game uh, if you stick at it as well. Definitely. Uh, I played a lot of online against random people um then a handful of matches against a friend of the show ali who won every single one of them he destroyed <laughs> me uh that game's really fun so i guess for people who don't know what it is it's you know we've talked about it for you know five minutes now without actually seeing yes what, yeah what i noticed is. that yeah um, this gem's like a 1v1 or 2v2 uh it's like uh, tennis with frisbees. Yeah, is maybe the best way to kind of put it. Yeah, you've... or like volleyball with frisbees. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's very much that you're collecting or you're throwing uh, discs at each other and catching them, and you could throw them with special curves and <coughs> it bounce them off of walls and things like that to do all these cool things. And it's all just about you know, kind of like tennis or volleyball is about getting your opponent out of position before your next throw yeah and knowing when to kind of vary up like fast throws and slow throws and stuff like that and you know where to curve it to and that kind of thing it's really good it's really fast paced very arcadey uh it's online well i think there might be a split screen actually but yes for the most yeah, part you can, online. yeah um yeah there is uh you can play split screen and you can also do lan networking for some other strange reason that's strange yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen LAN. <laughs> I, didn't know wow. was a, I didn't know that was a thing PS4 could even do. That's pretty good. I, did, I didn't even know that was still a thing people did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. LAN parties, they still think. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot. I played a bunch of it online against random people and won quite a lot of my matches. I got okay at that game over the weekend. And right. Then played against Ali, going in relatively confident, like I know what I'm doing. Got destroyed, like didn't win a single match. Like, he's just ah. <laughs> ah. But it's it's one of those games that even when you're losing, it feels good. It's it's fun to play. 
Yeah. And also, like, I've still got a few complaints about it, though. Like, it's very much trying to go for that Rocket League kind of style of, you know, matchmaking and getting you into matches and stuff like that, but it's not as fast as Rocket League is. So uh-huh. there's... It takes quite a long time to find a match. Yeah, I, th- I thought... I found that as well. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that's just, like, there's maybe not a lot of people playing. You'd hope there is, given it's, you know, PlayStation Plus. Yeah. But maybe there's not a lot of people playing, or maybe it is doing some kind of skill-based thing, and that's the real reason that the matches are so kind of close, is because it's matching against people that are similar skill levels. But... Yeah. I don't know. That's... There's no way to really tell, other than to, you know, guess. But the end result is the matchmaking is pretty slow. Yes, yeah, it did seem quite slow. Um, And also, you you can... So you can rematch people that you're playing against, which is good, because, again, the matchmaking is really slow. So once you find (laughs) someone, you just want to stick with them. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Which I find people do, even if, like, you're destroying them. Like, I played against a couple of people that were definitely... You know, had just picked the game up for the first time or something, and I was, you know, winning handily every single time. But they still hit the rematch button every time. Yes. Because they're playing against someone, so that's what you do. <laughs> but also, you, there's four characters in that game, and they all have different stats. So I've been playing mainly as the. I don't know names of them. There's uh, two women, one of them's a ninja, the other's not. So I'm playing as the one that's not. All right, okay. And she's her benefits is she's fast and she can curve shots really well. Yes. There's the ninja who's really fast but can't throw very well in general. There's the Does big they... muscly black guy who can throw real tough. But his accuracy is not the best. Uh no, his accuracy is fine, it's his speed is really low. Alright. Um, yeah, and then then there's the other guy who's the all rounder, which is the one I was using. Yeah, yeah. And I've mainly been sticking with the the women that can do all the curve shots because that's kind of just... It's the one... I've tried all of them and that seems to be the one that fits my style of play the most. I really enjoy just... Right. You know, running up, catching a disc and then spinning it around the other <laughs> player. It's really fun. Yeah, I quite like the mechanics. So one of the, one of the things that you can do is you can run and you can catch the disc and then return it on, you know, on your own terms. But the, the one of the kind of things that the game does is if you catch the disc and throw it as soon as you've caught it, it goes at like a speed boost. Yeah, you get a perfect makes, shot. Yes, yeah, which makes it a little bit more difficult. And it it makes the game quite fast and frantic. So yeah. you, it's like playing a tennis game at the highest difficulty level. You know, where, where the, the ball's crossing in the, into the court's yeah very quickly and i quite like that i think it's i don't think i've ever seen anything else where you're encouraged just to sort of get close to the ball and button mash like fuck <laughs> Which, yeah, I don't know. So, um i don't know if you, i don't know if that's how you try and get your perfect shots but that's what i try <laughs> i i try to actually time it but yeah, right you, okay you can totally can... just mash it uh, i find if you mash it you tend to accidentally hold it too long Ah, and then you right. bring out your little shield because you have a little shield as well, which lets you bounce the uh, bounce the disc up into the air. Yes, because you get super attacks by or super throws by bouncing the disc into the air, or if someone lobs it and it drops onto the ground, 
uh, and standing under it for long enough to kind of charge your super meter, then when you land it and throw it, it does a super attack. Right. So you could do that yourself by, if you know where a disc is going to go, you can go and hold your shield in front of that spot and you'll bounce up into there and you get a super. But you have to hold the shield for a little for a couple of seconds to get that. Otherwise, it doesn't bounce it all the way. It just kind of bounces it a little bit and yes. off to the side. So you have to go catch it again. But even that in itself is pretty useful sometimes. So if you want to get a perfect shot, but you know you're out of place to get a perfect shot, like you're not going to be able to catch it for some reason. Like maybe you had to slide to that spot or something like that because you can't do a perfect shot right after you slide. <coughs> But you can pull out your shield pretty much right away and so you could bounce it in front of you and then catch it and do a perfect shot. Yeah. Which you want to do as much as possible because perfects also have basically a combo. So if you get, I think it's four perfect throws in a row, uh, you get a juiced bonus, which All right. basically just means it goes even faster. And so you, <laughs> it's very, it makes it even easier to just kind of, if you've got four in a row to, you know, really mess with your opponents. It's it's really awesome. I I'm really enjoying this jam so far. Yeah, I need to put a little bit more time into it as well. Um, actually, I think I might get a couple of games in once we finish recording tonight as well. That's fair. It seems like there's a lot of depth to it and a lot that yeah. you can you can do. Yeah, yeah. It's um. It just reminds me of uh, sort of the good um sports game, the tennis games that you used to get um. Uh, like you know the top spin tennis and and things like that where it was one of those games i always felt things like um football and uh you know certain sports games when you used to play them online it was very very difficult for you if you hadn't had that game at launch yeah you know um because somebody been practicing the, the tennis games always felt like well you know, there's only five or six things you need to learn, and you can you can get better at those as you do them because there's not many things to do, and you're doing them over and over again. This jam kind of feels like that as well. Yeah, where it's kind of arcadey enough that you can jump into it even if you're, yeah, you're new yeah, to and it. yeah, and there's a, a limited, you know, it's a limited skill set that you or set of skills that you need to learn, so you can get better at it. Yeah, I do recommend doing doing those tutorials first though, because it's a limited skill set. But things like how to do perfect shots are kind of yes. useful to know, and yeah, how to properly control where you're aiming towards yes. is really important because like, yeah. most of the game is kind of a mind game more than anything else. Like it's the basic mechanics of the game are equal for both sides. So even if you're slightly better or slightly worse than the other person, the way you win that game is not by being real good at throwing the disc, it's by getting in your opponent's head and throwing the disc in yeah. ways in two places that get them out of position so they can't physically reach your next throw. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's faking them out. and Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, definitely you should check it out if you have, especially if you have PlayStation Plus as well. Yeah, because it's, it's free. Yeah. Uh, for well, I don't know if it's. I think it won't be free by the time this podcast comes out. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's in its final days. Um, yeah. And the new stuff comes out on. Uh, I think it's the fourth. Yeah, the the fourth of April. Yeah. The new stuff comes out. Gone so. to death. 
another free new multiplayer game, I guess. Yes, yeah, which is looking quite good as well. So yeah, it looks interesting. Cool. So we've got one, or you rather, have one new, one other new game to speak about, and it's one that's kind of it's dividing opinions everywhere. I think. Yeah, I feel like my own opinions divided with myself <laughs> on it. So shall I just leave you alone to argue with yourself for about half an hour? That seems that seems like the only logical choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Mass Effect Andromeda is the fourth Mass Effect game. Yes. I think it's probably safe to say that we on this podcast are blatant Bioware fanboys. Yes, absolutely, yeah. I think that's... Um, we make no apologies for this. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing... There's nothing new about that for people. We talked about Dragon Age 2 for the first like year of the podcast. <laughs> Yes. And that's not even a good Bioware game, I guess. But this <laughs> game, you know what, this is the successor to Dragon Age 2 that we've been looking for, I think. The right. Andromeda is up there in the echelon of not very good Bioware games. Right, okay. So, uh. Uh, the, the kind of setup of of uh, Mass Effect Andromeda is that before Mass Effect 3, like during the kind of Mass Effect Two era, uh-huh. uh huh. Before people basically even believe that the Reapers are a real threat or anything like that, everyone decided, you know what, let's go try colonize Andromeda, this other system far, far away. It, it's a one-way trip, basically. It'll take a few hundred years to go there. Everyone will be in cryostasis. Once you get there, we've scanned these handful of planets that are going to be golden worlds. They look like they're habitable, so we could totally do awesome stuff live there, colonize them, that kind of thing. And everyone sets off and wakes up a few hundred years later as their ship has crashed into weird matter in space and basically got wrecked. They land on a golden world and it's a shithole. Everything's a disaster. So nothing went to plan, basically. Right. And... That kind of intro sequence where all that kind of stuff happens is one of the worst sequences I've ever played in a Bioware game. It's just really dull. They rush a lot of things. There's you know, like Mass Effect has always been like all about the characters. And this is kind of a fresh start, so it doesn't carry over any of the characters from Mass Effect. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen people complain about that kind of stuff, but I'm kind of all right with that i didn't really i don't need another game with you know rex in it i don't need shepherd to show up again right but the way they introduce characters in this game and the way they introduce the main character like the you know the shepherd replacement uh-huh. is so rushed that it's just not very good so it does things like in remember the first mass effect Yes. When you're defending colony and because you're you did awesome stuff and you become a specter and it's this big accomplishment, you know, your first human specter, etc., etc. Yeah. And they build it up like it's a good like couple hours of gameplay in there. Yeah, yeah, because it was the whole story of um, that is somebody that's trying to set you up and you expose his scheme and you expose that he's corrupt and it's this whole long gameplay about well. 
I'm going to become a Spectre and it's going to... It has this whole... It was almost like a film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mass Effect Andromeda, your dad dies so you get put in charge of the ship. That's it. That's it. And also, they even point out at one point that there is someone else who is more skilled and more... Qualified. Yeah, more qualified to run the ship, to be the captain. Or the Pathfinder is the, the term they're using because right. there's also a captain of the ship. But the Pathfinder is like the big boss that is saying, look, we're going to go try colonize this planet. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's so rushed. It's just like, okay, well, I guess I'm in charge now. That's great, I guess. Uh, why? Why am I in charge? Okay, what have I got to do? Colonize planets. That's the thing, I guess. And <laughs> once you get past that stuff, it it gets pretty good because you do get to there's a thing called the Nexus which is basically just the Citadel like they sent stuff to construct a new Citadel basically uh-huh. and there's the odd reference to things from the older Mass Effect games right for example there's like a, a tram that you take between different locations in Citadel and one of the things that happens is that sometimes it'll play like little news broadcasts and stuff like that and one of the news broadcasts that happened to me when I was playing it was just like the game, uh, the news broadcast was just like oh yeah well when we constructed Nexus we built this satellite that attached to it that would let us communicate with the Milky Way again, that was the whole purpose we'd call in and go hey we made it, we're alright we've got some of these issues whatever but it's all fine but no one's uh-huh. answering and if you play Mass Effect 3, you're like, okay, well, there's plenty of reason why people might not be answering from the Milky Way after Mass yes. Effect 3. Yeah. That's, that's reasonable. But they don't go into it, so they don't, they're not really kind of... You know, they're not sticking themselves to a single ending from Mass Effect 3. Right, but... Did, vague enough to be like, eh, one of them. Didn't... Um, but Dragon Age did that. Uh, Dragon Age 2 did that as well, didn't it? Because it was Dragon Age Two was set kind of at the same time as Dragon Age. Yeah. And they would make these very vague references to, oh, I believe they're at war. Who's at war? Why? Yeah. And oh yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> yeah, these things are still happening. You know. It's, yeah. It's uh, I don't know. It's it's not what you'd want from a sequel to Mass Effect but it's still pretty decent. I don't know right. if I'd really recommend it at the moment. People have also been complaining a lot about bugs and stuff like that. There's some good videos you can watch on- online of people doing silly walks and things like that. Right. The animation's just <laughs> breaking everywhere. And I've not actually experienced much of that. I did experience a weird glitch where, which apparently is caused by you zigzagging when you walk enough times, it just breaks the walk animation. And your character just starts to walk super slowly, almost like they're limping or something. And it's just right. this weird thing. Um, but that's that's the only kind of major thing I've encountered so far. I've had some frame rate dips. It's not running super great on my PC, but that might just be because it's very CPU intensive and I need to upgrade the CPU in my PC. Right. So overall, it's like from a technical standpoint, I've not had any... That's not my issue with the game, basically. It has enough other issues that if you're having technical issues then that also probably really sucks because it doesn't really feel like there's enough 
interesting stuff in this game to warrant fighting through technical issues. Like Mass Effect One is a <clears throat> buggy game. Oh, Mass Effect One is fucking it's a train wreck. Yeah, but it's worth playing through the you pushing through the bugs of Mass Effect One to play it because Mass Effect One's a pretty great game. Yeah, the, the the world is huge. There is there's just so much to do. Um, yeah. yeah, I think um, so. What had happened was I was in, like I said, I, I, I was on holiday, and the reviews and everything for Mass Effect Andromeda st- start dropping, and I thought, oh, okay, somebody had said um, as well that you know they'd had uh, they'd had word that the game isn't you know it hasn't turned out as well as everyone thought and then the reviews started hitting when i was abroad and i started reading them and i thought oh it just (laughs) i i had my pre-order ready to go and i cancelled my pre-order i was like i'm not gonna i'm I'm not gonna do this it Um, feels like it was rushed out for the end of the the fiscal year right it feels like they had to release it before the the end of the fiscal year, and so this was the last chance they had, and it wasn't ready. Damn, that's that's a shame. Well, they, they can always patch it, but yeah, but you only get one chance at first impression. True, true, and that this is... isn't a great one. Yeah, so I think it will eventually be a a game worth playing. Like the issues I have with it are getting alleviated the more I play it so uh-huh. once you get to that you know the nexus the fake kind of citadel a lot more side quests open up there's a lot more conversation stuff there's some really in- genuinely interesting characters you get some interesting characters as part of your team very kind of early on uh, uh-huh. you get a Krogan that's probably awesome that's also the other thing actually I guess that I, I'm a bit bummed out about is so far in the few hours I've played, there have been two alien races introduced. And it's like, okay, so you set this in a new galaxy hundreds of years away mm-hmm. and you introduced two new races. No. And almost all of the other characters and everything like that are the ones that came with you. And not even yeah. all of them. So, like, they mentioned the, the... So all everyone traveled to this new galaxy in ships called Arcs. They were just, you know, big ships with everyone quarantined and cryostasis inside of them. Uh-huh. And your show shows up. You're just the only one to properly show up. So the humans are, you know, the most populous there. There's a handful of Asari around. No one knows where the Asari ship went. There's Turians. No one knows where the Turian ship went. Krogans. Don't know where the Krogan ship went. And then Quarians and Geth and, well, probably not Geth because I think at this point, Geth would still be considered evil. But, you know, the Quarians and the Hanar and stuff like that, all the other little races that made exploring the Citadel pretty awesome in the first couple of games, at least, if not three, because you were wandering around and you had this big kind of mix of different races everywhere just aren't there because right. their arc didn't show up. Which sounds kind of like, oh, we didn't have time to make them. Yeah, that does kind of smack of that. It's, uh, yeah. The the more I hear about it, the more I'm I'm just getting more disheartened with it because, like you said, we're massive Bioware fans. Um, 
and Mass Effect was just absolutely stunning. All three games, loved yeah. them. And yeah, you said it before as well that we we put up with the bugginess. We will make jokes about it and that's fine as long as we get, you know, the good gameplay, the engaging storylines. Yeah, like the story and the characters are what makes those games. And yeah. to be fair, Andromeda seems like it's picking up a bit now. You know, the further I get into it, they're definitely doing it with the characters, maybe not necessarily the story. The story so far seems to be very much, you travel to this galaxy and you thought there would be golden worlds and there aren't, and now there's bad guys, shoot them. And it's like, okay, <laughs> is there more to this? And it's like, well, there's these ancient alien structures that have way advanced technology compared to us. And it's like, oh, okay, that's exactly what Mass Effect was, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, we found the mass relays and we go into space, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's retreading a lot of the ground. It seems a bit safe, but also doesn't right. manage to pull off what it was trying to do, despite being too safe. Oh, man. Yeah, that's just... Yeah. I'm still enjoying it, but it's not... I can't really recommend it. Yeah, I will... I will wait. Hopefully they will patch it. I bet they will. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I will wait. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, cool. You, so that's all the games we have on this list. Is there any more you need to add in? Uh, no, I haven't got anything else to add in. I played some um, digital board games when I was on the plane and things like that. Um, more uh, paperback the best I, i'm getting washed at that game i think uh, oh, yeah, i am terrible paperback i've never I, been good at it <laughs> i'll play one or two games and you know the words that i come up with are absolutely brilliant and then i'll play games and the smart ai will just wipe the floor with me <laughs> um so i play with i think the i forget the the ai but you get is it normal ai smart ai then smarter ai uh, i don't remember i've not played Something, a lot of the digital version all right. I need to play more. Um, but yeah, I tend to play with the smart, the smart AI, and uh, I can normally do not too bad against it. Um, but there was, uh, I think, I played three games, and two of them it just walked all over the top of me. Uh, yeah, it's yes, you get uh, easy AI, smart AI, and smarter AI. Um, so I normally play with the middle one. And uh, I may need to drop it to easy for some of them. <laughs> but yeah, it's still still good. Uh, no, I don't have anything else on video games to add. What about you? No, I've not got this. Cool. So I, I did play some board games, though. I didn't. So tell me about your board games. <laughs> uh, cool. I had... Uh, oh, I'll tell you that I, I played some more Arkham Horror. Uh, with uh, the wife in Portugal so I have been playing it and I think I mentioned it on the podcast as well I haven't been going too far into the campaign because we bought it and she said oh this will be our holiday game this is the one that we can play <laughs> and I, I'm that's great brilliant no problem so I, I've played the first two scenarios or the first two parts uh, a good couple of times I've played it solo with 
two different characters and I've played with Ben from the website a couple of times as well so it's the one night and you said right let's we're going to play Arkham Horror brilliant I get it all set up and I'm got it going and I'm thinking right things just need to happen the right way we get the right turn of cards she gets the, the you know a good spread of cards in her hand so she can play and it doesn't you know she gets the perfect experience from this and so I let her read all the stories and we, I set it up perfectly it's all going well uh, we play a good game uh, we just did the first chapter and I let her make all the choices there's a couple of choices you make at the end of the game and the choice she makes uh, will then set up the next chapter and there's depend again depending on the choices you will either get a couple of benefits or you'll get a couple of benefits but you have to take a bit of a knock and she makes a choice and she's laughing at the the choice and the story that happens because of it and she says oh what was the choice would have been and it seems like she's really getting into it and i'm going yes this is brilliant we can play through everything else and she said busy tidying it up and i said what do you think and she says I don't think it was that good. Oh, for <laughs> fuck's sake. <laughs> it was just, you know, I was hoping that she was going to like it as much as I would and then we could continue playing it. Not that night, obviously, but, you know, yeah. we could continue playing it. So she's kind of in the middle. She, I think she wants to play the next part of the chapter to see how she she feels about it. And I am I'm, I'm just wanting to play through the rest of it. I've got uh, the original adventure, the Arkham Horror adventure, and then I've bought uh, every installment of the the Dunwich Legacy, which is the next part. Um, I've got all of that set up and ready to go, and I think I'm going to just be playing through that, on, you know, by myself and just doing it solo. Um, and I will play it with other people as well if they want to play it. But yeah, so I'm not too sure whether it's going to be our game <laughs> anymore. Yeah, I'm... and when that happens, we pick up something that's like, this is going to be it. This could be our two-player game, and then you play it, and it's like, oh, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Either because you know you already really like it, or even like when I picked up like Nightlight and thought this could be a great two-player game for us, and it's like, hmm, maybe not. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. So, but we'll we'll give it a, another game, I think, and we'll we'll see. Because the other thing is, it's it does take quite a lot to invest into it because you're you're building that character and you're using points to upgrade them and you're building a deck of cards, and you can get quite involved in that. And you know, it will take a lot of time to go through all the cards and think about your deck. And if you're not feeling it, that would just be torture for somebody, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, to force somebody to make those type of decisions. So, I think in general, um, playing board games that you're not actually enjoying are, is one of the. Yeah, I, I think feel like it's. If you're playing a video game cooperatively, even if you don't like the game, it can often still be really fun just because you're playing it cooperatively. Yes, yeah. I, I think it's a lot harder with board games. I think so, yeah. You, you can all. You, normally you can see when somebody's struggling and you can either say right well let's finish this turn and then we're done or sometimes it's yeah I think we're quite lucky that we're, we all tend to be quite good at knowing what we all like so we won't always play a game that somebody else doesn't like yeah 
and if we do we tend to pick smaller games as well you know so if we're going to play something long that, that takes a lot of time we're going to play something like Letters from Whitechapel or you know a, a, a bigger game that we've all played before yeah. or one one that we all want to try so yeah we and tend I, think, to... I think when we do play bigger games and they don't go over well it tends not to be because we've picked one that has mechanics that no one likes or something like that it yes, tends to be yeah. because mechanically it doesn't stay that enjoyable for that long so like because you mentioned Letter from Whitechapel like the last Friday yes you know that game was pretty great but also it was pretty great for the first couple of rounds and then you're kind of like okay well it's been yeah. an hour now as yeah because uh, we, we... We'd played for a good while, and it was you know we still had one more part of the chapter, and it was I seen everyone else, and I said, "Do you do you really want to play this final chapter?" It's like, "No, no, we're good." <laughs> and I think we made the right decision because I want to go back and I want to play that game again, and I think it would see if we'd we'd forced ourselves to play it through to its conclusion. I think we would have, you know, I'd be taking that to a charity shop. Oh, really. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, and also, when we're talking about that, the the last Friday as well, there's an expansion coming, and I believe the expansion does make some tweaks to certain rules. Okay. Thanks. So, yeah, if they do something about that, is it the second night? Uh, uh, yeah, the second night is the one that feels just completely pointless. Yes. Yeah, I believe there there's going to be some things, some extra things in there. So that'd be quite good. Yeah, that could be good. Because on the, on the face of it saying, hey, that game has an expansion, doesn't sound exciting to me because the last thing that game needed was more content. Yes. Like, it, it went on too long as it was. Like, it doesn't... Yeah. But again, as we said at the time, like, each of those individual scenarios kind of feels like they would hold up as an individual scenario if you didn't play them as a big campaign. Yeah, and so, if they, yeah. they had some tweaks and, you know... Whereas it, if it doesn't have, if it lets itself say, well, it's okay to play a game and finish it within two two of the four rounds. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that'd be quite good. But I did play. Uh, one of my kickstarters arrived, and it was Five Minute Dungeon. Ah, uh, nice. I almost backed this one, but yeah, I thought. It. Yeah, I thought you did, and then uh, I'd sent the picture, and it was like. No, I, I didn't back that one. I thought, oh bugger, <laughs> oh well. But uh, so I think five I really didn't back because I knew you would. Ah, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> so five minute dungeon is a card game, and it's very similar to a game we spoke about on the podcast a good couple of times. Fuse. So it's a cooperative game. It's a dungeon crawl where up two to five players are playing together to take on a dungeon. The dungeon is full of monsters and at the end of the dungeon there is a boss. Dungeon is made up of a series of cards. The cards will have monsters, obstacles, people and all sorts of things that need to be overcome. Uh, and the way that you do this is that you have a deck of cards. You pick a character. There are five, ten different characters that you can pick uh, but for example the thief and the ninja are agility based so they're the same you just basically pick 
whether you want to be the ninja or the thief because yeah. they have a special ability. But the, the deck of cards that they use are the exact same cards, so you can only be one or the other. Okay, um, there is a barbarian and a... I forget the other character, but they're, they're strength. And then there is the the hunter and the the ranger and the huntress and they are basically they're like uh, long range sniping weapons or mm-hmm. snipers uh, there is also a paladin and I forget his counterpart and they are based on you know being a paladin so more about um, shields there are five basic attributes in the game and the final one is magic there's a, a wizard and a mage I think it is so you've got these five different attributes and the characters have their decks are built up of all of them will have um, cards with the all five attributes on but they will be strong in one particular one so the mage obviously the magic the ranger will have the ranged combat okay. makes sense so far yeah. so good um, and what happens is the so your cards have just the little symbols on them so they have a little shield or they will have a, a little arrow for the the ranged attack or they'll have a little fist uh, sorry a little sword for strength and that's fine you've got all your cards but uh, you also have special abilities so one of the special abilities that you have is uh, the paladin and I think the mage have this ability where they can stop time. So I haven't, sorry, the one thing I didn't mention was that the game is real time and you have five minutes to go through the dungeon, hence the name Five Minute Dungeon. Yeah, so it is a lot like Fuse. It is, yes. It, it even has its own timer and you start the timer and there's somebody that talks along and they tell you how much time you've got left uh, it's only five minutes so they don't berate you they don't have time to berate <laughs> you uh, unlike the, the the ship's computer and fuse yeah. so you've got five minutes to get through and um, certain cards have an ability that allow you to stop time and you can stop time and time will only start again when somebody plays a card so they can draw cards but the, the minute somebody plays a card, the timer starts again. And that's very good for tactical, to stop, play the card, stop time, and you can all look and say, right, everyone draw cards that they need to draw, discuss about what you're going to do quickly, and then do it. Um, so there is no turn order in the game as well. So see how with Fuse you, you've got your cards in front of you, the, the bombs that you need to defuse? Yeah. You don't have this. You turn over the door of the dungeon, the monster appears. And you can all play cards from your hand into the center of the table to get rid of that monster. Okay. Okay, so it's not one person that's fighting the monster. You're all taking chunks out of it. Yeah. And uh, you have uh, five cards in your hand when you start for a two-player game. I think three three cards for a five-player game, I forget. Because uh, I haven't played a five-player game, <laughs> and um, so when you play a card, you draw a card. Um, there are other cards. The thief, uh, one of their special abilities, or the cards that they have that have special abilities, allow you to switch hands with somebody or steal somebody's hand of cards. So of cards. For, <sighs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah. 
um yeah so i may have a, a good hand of cards and you've got the thief and uh, i'll say i've got a really good hand of cards here steal them you take them and then i draw there's there's no penalty for me uh you take those cards that i had in my hand and i just draw a fresh set that's cool i like that idea so you're not yeah you're not as attached to your own cards because you're like well they can use them yes that's right yeah and the other thing that is the, the only way you can lose the game is if you obviously if you run out of time but if before that if you run out of cards so um the cards you play the cards in front of you um you know there's a, a common area and you place the cards in the common area to defeat the monster but you also have your own <clears throat> you also have your own discard pile now your discard pile is used when you discard cards from your hand to activate your special power so mm-hmm. e- like I said before each hero has their own special power and the only way you can do it is by discarding three cards uh, and that is that is very important as well because you may get to a point where you have no more cards to draw if that ever happens well you can't draw any more cards but somebody may have a card that allows you to take your discard pile and put it into your draw pile and that would be the only way that you can stay in the game yeah so it's quite it's quite a, a clever mechanic and it works really well yeah. i played a i played two games last night with uh, the wife and the first game we got beaten horribly the second game we won and um uh, she was playing as the mage and uh, she had the power of discarding three cards to stop time and that was very good because I got stuck at one point where there were certain abilities we needed I didn't have them in my hand of cards so it was like discard your hand or discard three cards and stop time she would stop time and it all she was doing is stopping time drawing three cards and then if she had something that we could use she was playing it or she was just um, saying start the timer then she'd play another three cards to stop time again <laughs> and it kind of it. at one point you think oh well, am I breaking the game here and then you think no not really you know because the, the wizard would be keep stopping time yeah. you know to get more resources so yeah, it does use what you've got yes yeah and it does make sense the, um, one of the things that you know you can play you play cards once you play a card you draw a card and one of the things that we the first thing we, we thought was well you could kind of cheat and play cards to the centre of the table that would have no effect and the only reason you would do that is so that you could draw more cards the rules don't specifically say anything to this um and that just may be because you know they never thought about it or it's the first well it is the first edition of the rule book so they may update that mm-hmm. but we said straight away nah that's it, if we're going to lose if we're going to lose because we're stuck then so be it and it just feels kind of right that way and it's five minutes yeah. so if you get if you get stuck and you can't win well let the five minutes run out and play again um, really good game it's going to be I think it's going to be a a bit like Fuse for us it's going to be one we will use a hell of a lot for starting off on game days yeah and I'm, I'm looking forward to playing it with five players as well it sounds like something my girlfriend will hate 
because she doesn't like those timer-based games. Even Unlock, which has a timer of like 45 minutes or something fucking crazy long. Uh, An hour. It was an hour, yeah. So she was getting super stressed out with that. Yeah. Does she really not like... I thought she she quite enjoyed them. She doesn't mind them, but they do stress her out a bit. Yeah. Um, Right. I I think, yeah, this one will stress her out a hell of a lot. Yeah. I sure she'll at least uh, try it though. Yes, yeah. Because I, I know she did like Fuse, but um, I didn't realize it actually yeah, you know, stressed she, her. <laughs> she liked Fuse, but she's also kind of refused Weary. to play yeah. Fuse now. Right, no, she, that's She did really like Unlock though. Unlock was. Yeah, Unlock is, is slightly different, I think. Yeah, definitely. Cause it is, yeah. The timer, I feel like you don't really need it there. It seems like it's more there to keep track of how well you did rather than to be like, oh, yes. can you do it? And this time is. Isn't yeah. All... yeah 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 i think so yeah um so another game that we played as well was a game that i picked up um i picked up a damaged copy so if you're new to board games a lot of the brick and mortar stores here in britain anyway uh maybe once or twice a year they end up with the games that have been damaged so the board the the box has got a little bit bashed or the cellophane's been ripped off or something. And what happens, as far as I'm aware, what happens is the the distributor says to the brick-and-mortar stores, do you want these games? I think they pay, you know, per kilogram or something. Mm-hmm. And they just get these boxes of games. And then they, they, they put them out in the shop floor, and they've obviously priced them at a lower price and things. So you can sometimes pick up a really good bargain. And I picked up a copy of a game called Fun Employed, for five pounds i've been wanting this game for a while so i'm oh. really jealous of this oh man i i seen it there and i knew what it was um i didn't know exactly how the game worked but i knew that it was one game if i ever got the chance i was going to pick it up uh-huh. so i yeah we need to play this next time because oh I, I've definitely been to play this one for a while so fun employed is a card game and uh, the premise of the game is that you're going for an interview and you've got two sets of cards. Um, you've got a deck of cards and it's got real-life jobs on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are a little bit ridiculous and some of them are like, you know, uh, an actor and, or an accountant or a dog walker. And then some of them are, you know, a, a little bit like a b-movie actor and some of them are a little bit off the wall um a hobo and but you know so you've got these legitimate jobs for the most part and what you have to do is you need to interview for that chosen job with a set of four skills from the other the other deck of cards uh-huh. but these are not skills that <laughs> you would normally use so the skill may be that you have um a tendency to wet your bed for example (laughs) or you may be um some of them are in in like i'm left-handed or i'm ambidextrous or you know but the thing is when you mix these in with uh the jobs you end up getting crazy connections so Uh one of the ways one of the ways that you can play the game is that you give everyone that's playing four cards in their hand and then you you create a job market a skill market sorry 
and you put a, it's a little tablet of cards out in the field I think it's 10 cards or something and people can swap cards from their hand uh, and you know from the tablet take from the tablet and put it into their hand and swap one out uh, once that's done what happens is uh, one person draws they will be the interviewer for the game and they draw for that round they will draw a job and they turn over the job and the job today is that of a clown car driver and you now have to interview for the position of clown car driver and the four cards that you have in your hand is that you have good timekeeping skills you are bipolar you have a dog called spot and you can hang upside down for long periods of time so you have to use these in a in a pitch you pitch for the job and it goes around the table and the person who's the interviewer would give the job to the person that's either made him laugh or whatever the case uh-huh. is um and sometimes you don't even need to you know if you don't want to keep score you don't keep score so that part of the the game works well and that that's version um works really well uh, the other thing that the the interviewer can do is he keeps his four cards in his hand and if he wants to uh, he can play one of those cards when somebody's interviewing so you might be in the middle of your pitch Kieran and you're you know you've hit a, you've hit your stride and you're telling me why hanging upside down for long periods of time is very good and uh, I might say well that's all very fine and good but tell me you know what about your vertigo and i play the vertigo card and then you have to you have to counter that um we didn't play that version as much we didn't use that um but it may work in a bigger group um the version of the game that we did play we loved um is called late to the interview and the way that works is everyone gets four cards face down and four skills cards and you're not allowed to look at them and what happens is uh, you turn the card over, the job card over, so you know the job that you're going for. And then you basically have to pitch the job as if you don't know what your skills are. You know, so uh, it may be um, a cat wrangler. And you say, right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here for the job of cat, cat wrangler. I am the perfect cat wrangler because... And you flip over the first card. <laughs> okay. Right. So you have to okay. Kind of improvise on the spot. Yes, and we we found this is the best way to play the game. We were howling and laughing. Um, myself and Anne played it the first time in Brewdog, and just the place was in an uproar. We're howling and laughing. We've played it three or four times like that, and we've played it with other people as well. And they agree it's the best way to do it because you you know it's this game of improv you don't know what's going to come up and sometimes you just have no idea what's coming out of your mouth as well um a hell of a lot of fun we need to play this when you're down yeah um and anyone that is if you're looking for a you know if you've had the same as us with cards against humanity and the, the novelty's worn off and you're looking for that next big social game fun employed definitely i highly recommend it I'm looking forward to getting the show of it. Yeah, you will absolutely love it. It's. I feel like I'd be terrible at it as someone who's not the best at like improvisational stuff. But you know, <laughs> it'll be fun. It's 
it is more about having fun and just sometimes you know it um the the kind of even just myself and i we were playing it and we found the the kind the the improv styles that we have so and would interview for a job and the job may be completely ridiculous you know um cat wrangler for example and and would approach this dead serious you know and she'd uh she'd turn over a card and it said you know it may say can eat bake beans with a spoon <laughs> and Anne would find a way of very seriously telling you why being able to eat beans with a spoon is brilliant for being a cat wrangler you know it was more like the comic style it was very straight straight edged uh, whereas when I was doing it I was more manic you know it was like oh, and you're <laughs> it's just the way your improvisation and you learn as well what to say to whoever the you know whoever the interviewer is because you you try and play to their strengths to either make them laugh or you're trying to amuse them as well it's fantastic it's really really good it sounds awesome cool um that is really it uh i did play uh i played a single player game of it so i don't really i won't talk about it too much um the new one not the new game but another game from uh, stonemaier games uh called viticulture oh i didn't realize this was stonemaier's game yeah um it's a a game all about uh, making wine and you've got your own vineyard and you're going about and it's a worker placement game so it's very it uses the same mechanics that he's got in uh euphoria and the the whole a lot of ideas that are in scythe as well are in this game that's cool and uh, i played the essential edition which is the the games went through various iterations that had lots of expansions because of the kickstarter it was a kickstarter game originally and they now have what they call the essential edition and it's basically got all the best bits from some of the expansions some of the the rule changes and things and you have this solid worker placement game and i'm actually looking forward to playing it with people as well uh so that should be quite good but that is it that's everything i've been playing that's cool that's I, it's not as many board games as usual, Mike. You're kind of, you know. Well, I was. On, I, w- I was on holiday. Yeah, that's prime board game time. <laughs> it, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I have picked up a copy of uh, Terraforming Mars, so I'm hoping to <laughs> learn that and, and get some time with that as well. More new stuff. I still need to play Fugitive. I've had it sitting there for like a week or so now, which ah. is the. New game by Tim Fowler's guy that made Paperback, but I've not yes not had a chance to play it yet. Maybe this weekend. Cool. This it's a little two-player only game. The box is lovely. It's got a little magnet on the front of it, and it kind of unfolds in a cool uh-huh. way. I'm always a sucker for nice-looking boxes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, have we got any news? Uh, yeah, I've got a handful of things here. All uh, right. Nothing too massive, but some release dates mainly. Um, uh-huh. for games that we're interested in. So, right off the bat, uh, Wipeout Omega Collection for the PS4. Oh, yes. It's coming out the 7th of June. So It's not, it's not soon enough. 
Not soon enough, but it's soon. Uh, it's gonna, as we, it's been mentioned before, it has Wipeout HD, Fury, and 2048 tracks and ships in it. All updated for PS4, runs at 4K on a PS4 Pro, uh-huh. all 60 frames a second. Uh, they also have a new soundtrack of 28 licensed music tracks. And they've not mm-hmm. announced all of them. A new yet. soundtrack, alright. Yeah, or I guess some of them have probably been in previous games, but I'm yeah. pretty sure. I could be wrong, but um, they list some of the artists that will be in it, and the Prodigy's there, which obviously because it's a Wipeout game. Of course. Of course, of course Prodigy's yeah. going to be in it. Uh, Chemical Brothers and Swedish House, Ma- House Mafia, which is the reason I think it's new stuff, because I don't remember any Swedish House Mafia songs being in previous games. Uh, I could just be misremembering. No, no. I mainly remember Prodigy because those two just go hand in hand in my head. Uh, Left Field is one of the ones that I remember from the early games. Hmm. Well, that's not been. There's 28 tracks. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a chance. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to that one. I think Aphex Twin from the 90s as well was, was one of the big bands, but. Yeah. Yeah, I, as far as I can tell, that's the only ones of them so far. But I, I bet, I'd be surprised if there wasn't some Mayfix one or something like that in there. Cool. Yeah. Um, as we hinted at earlier, PlayStation Plus games for April have been announced. Uh, they'll be out by the time this podcast's up, but you can go grab them. Um, this month we are getting Drawn to Death for the PS4, which is the new arena shooter by David Jaffe, guy that made Twisted Metal. It's uh, it looks quite cool. It's the one that's got the kind of art style that looks like it's drawn in kind of a notebook. It looks interesting at least. Uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, which is a pretty awesome uh, two-player cooperative game. Actually, I think it might go up to three or four players, but basically you're people on a little spaceship and you have to run around and man individually man like the different sections of the ship. So, like, one person will be controlling the, the movement of the ship while one person is moving the shields or uh-huh. one person is manning the cannons while someone's driving or something like that. And you're kind of jumping between all the different uh, stations of the ship to try and keep it going. It's really cool. That game's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, for PlayStation Vita, there's 10 Second Ninja X and Curses and, Curses and Chaos. Right, okay. I don't know what that one is. It's 10 Second Ninja X, I recognise because that came out a while ago. Uh, on PlayStation 3, you can get hit games like Alien Rage and Invisimals. Invisimals? Remember Invisimals? I th- is that a PlayStation camera game? I was going to say it would have to be. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah, they must. Just, they're just scraping the bottom of the barrel now. <laughs> I mean, everything that you would want PS3 has either been on PlayStation Plus already or is on PlayStation now. Yeah, yeah. That's the way they're going. Uh, this Curses <laughs> and Chaos game looks pretty decent. Uh huh. It's kind of retro. It looks like a boss rush kind of game. Looks cool. Uh, yeah. So it's a decent, decent, not amazing, but decent month for PlayStation Plus stuff. Cool. Uh, Civilization Six. Is getting a bunch of big updates soon. Uh, actually, no, I realised that none of these are... As two people who have not played Civilization 6, this is actually not... 
a new story yeah. for us. <laughs> I, I thought it was something they were fixing something major, but it's kind of tweaks more than anything else. Um, right. Valkyria Revolution is coming out in June. This is the not exactly the fourth Valkyria Chronicles game, but but it's like a spin-off of the Valkyria Chronicles series. Right. Uh, it's more of a JRPG with more of an actiony slant to it rather than a you know tactical game like the previous ones were. Uh huh. It still looks alright. Cool. I'll probably pick that up. I like that series. Starcraft Remastered is coming out this summer. Right. It's a uh, the original StarCraft from 1998 updated with new graphics, new matchmaking. All the graphics are still 2D, but they're just kind of updated versions of all the sprites to make them look cleaner. Right, okay. Uh, they've said, Blizzard have said that they are going to, to basically keep in all of the issues with the game as well, because this game is basically for StarCraft purists. So they're, not, <laughs> they're not going to do things like, you know, make it feel like a modern RTS they're going to be like no this is a 90s ass 90s RTS enjoy <laughs> which I can get on board with if nothing else I will replay those campaigns those were fantastic campaigns uh huh yeah sure. um, that's actually all the news I've got here just now I don't know if there's anything else you've heard do you want to um I, on the board game side, so there was a little game we were talking about, we were all quite excited about at the end of last year, which was Gloomhaven. Yes. So Gloomhaven came out, it uh, came out last month. Yeah, was it last month? I think it was, yeah. And uh, basically what happened was uh, Cephalafair Games, uh, I was... <laughs> mispronounce and slaughter their name but the uh, Isaac Childress, the guy that made the game had grossly underestimated how popular the game was going to be and essentially for retail release there was about I think it was two and a half thousand copies left to go worldwide and there was something like 25,000 orders that's crazy (laughs) yeah it's absolutely nuts so, <clears throat> needless to say, hardly anyone got a copy of the game that didn't back it on Kickstarter. There is, on Tuesday the 4th of March, he is, uh, sorry, the 4th of April, there is going to be a second print run coming to Kickstarter. Oh, nice. So, if you are looking at getting a copy of the game, this will probably be your best and only opportunity to get it. There are brick and mortar stores that are taking pre-orders as well. And so apart from this print run, if you don't get in now and either pre-order with your store, so the stores are doing the pre-orders right up until next week, Friday, which is the 7th of April. And the Kickstarter will probably run for 28 days or something like that. It's kind of weird to have a Kickstarter for the second printing of something. The company is very, very small. Yeah, I guess like it's just you have to question the business plan of a company that is like, well, we made this game and it didn't make enough money from selling out its print run to make another print run. Yes, yeah, yeah. So odd. The Kickstarter price was to back the full game was I think eighty dollars with the stretch goals and everything that they did and added to it. 
I don't think there was much money. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. To be fair, like, I guess it's not the worst business plan in the world to be like, I we know our game is popular enough to do well on Kickstarter, so we sell it and make a little bit of profit off of the Kickstarter one, and then when we need to make more to make more profit, we just make another Kickstarter. Yeah. So they're they're doing they're attacking on both fronts. They're allowing stores to place in pre-orders as well. And then they're doing the Kickstarter. So, yeah, if you are looking at getting a copy of it, this is probably going to be your best bet. If you don't place an order or back the Kickstarter, I don't think you're going to have much luck in trying to get a copy of the game afterwards. Yeah, until they kickstart the third print run. What, uh, well, he's he's doing this Kickstarter, and then after this he is doing... a kind of a prequel so it's another game it's set in the gloomhaven universe and it's called founders of gloomhaven okay so the, the i don't think there's ever going to be a sequel to this game and Sorry. i don't think that there's going to be an expansion because there is over 90 campaigns in the game as it is oh, yeah they, yeah he went like all out in this of, with content you don't need more yes yeah the, there is the, the biggest thing was that there are rule there are errors in the rule books and there's a little bit of quality control on i think it was the box that needs to get done and that's going to be addressed and that's about the only thing they're going to add there's not going to be stretch goals or anything in this campaign okay um so there there are talk of the the campaign the pledge levels being a hundred dollars the shipping costs are probably going to be quite a lot as well. So um, brick and mortar stores here in the UK are, I think they're talking about a pre-order setup around about £140 at the Jesus. moment. That's heavy. It's a lot but of money for it, a game. That could be the shipping. That, yeah. It could be the shipping that's going to kill it. So it's if you think, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you think that is quite heavy and it is, um, wait for the Kickstarter, have a look. The Kickstarter might be a little bit cheaper. I don't know. It is a hell of a lot of money, but it is a huge game. Yeah. You know. I mean, who would spend that much money on a board game, Mick? I don't know. Who no would idea. back a Kickstarter for around $100 plus shipping to be charged afterwards? I... Yeah. Who would do such a thing, Mike? Who? who you you tell do? me. Who would do that? <laughs> Both of us, apparently. <laughs> Yes, and the best part is we'll probably mostly play that game together. <laughs> yeah, so the, yeah. If anyone's wondering what we're on about, we have both uh, pledged to back Rising Sun on Kickstarter. Uh, the it's Cool Mini and Not's newest game, and Kieran's right. The pro the only people that we will probably play this game with is is each other, and we have both backed it. But man, the components and everything you get in that game. Yeah. It's stunning. gonna be one of those big games that won't get broken out very often, but you know, it looks real good, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to have it there on your shelf because yes, it's a nice yeah. box. And the other thing as well is if we decide that, you know, one of us doesn't need we you know, there's no point in both of us having it or maybe we don't end up liking the game, backing it at this point is, I think you're going to be okay because that Kickstarter version, you'll shift that on eBay, you will get your money back. Yeah, definitely. And that, 
I'm not talking about you know be, being a bastard and unscrupulous and, and trying to gouge somebody for it. But if you're looking just to get your hundred dollars plus shipping back, yeah, that would be pretty easy to pull off. Yeah, I've I've seen people um, quite recently selling their Kickstarter versions of Blood Rage. Yeah, and the Kickstarter you know, versions of things like um, of uh, Scythe even go yes. for quite a lot. Yeah, and uh, even though they've been played once or twice, people are. Well, you know, if it's in good condition, no problem. I'll give you the money for it. Definitely. So, cool. Um, that is it. That was the only thing I wanted to mention. Um, I've got a couple of new releases. Uh, we'll run through those. So, did you do new releases last week? I think we did. I can't remember, <laughs> I'll be honest. Right, okay, so there's no point in talking about uh, Kingdom Hearts uh, HD 1.5 and 2.5. Yeah, for sure we mentioned that. Um, Yeah, I've got that pre-ordered. We're recording this on Thursday, so tomorrow morning that my copy of that shall arrive. Looking forward to playing some of that. But uh, coming out on the Friday the 7th of April, or for weekending Friday the 7th of April, there's a few games. There's a small game coming out on for the PS3 and the PS4 on the 4th of April Kieran Persini Personi Piscini 5 or something oh Persona 5 that's a it's like a spin-off of a big RPG series called uh, Shin Tensei it's it's pretty niche um, uh, probably not I, not you know your kind of thing yeah I, I imagine that it's not going to do much Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yes so persona 5 comes out uh next week uh you're looking forward to it yep i have the collector's edition pre-order oh nice which does not come with anything interesting but i gonna have <laughs> a big box it comes with a school bag and a teddy <laughs> awesome uh yeah it's uh the trailers for it it looks like it's going to be quite mental so yeah it looks should, great should be good yeah uh then coming out Friday the 7th of April, uh, a couple of games for the PS4. We've got Armagallant, Decks of Destiny. Um, I have no idea what that is. Probably something to do with cards. Yeah, sounds like it. And scantily cra- clad girls, I would imagine. Oh, well, uh, man, I need to look up. <laughs> well, while you do that, I will tell you that uh, from Gearbox Software, there is the full clip edition of Bulletstorm coming to PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I like Bulletstorm. Selling Bulletstorm for full price in 2017. No. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit weird. But they added um, Duke Nukem to it. Oh. And. They added Duke. You could play Duke Nukem. <laughs> Fair enough. He'll say all his stolen uh, movie quotes like you love. Yes. Remember uh, all those movies. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there is also Lego City Undercover. I thought this had already come out. This was a Wii U launch game. Yeah. So and it's coming it's out. Been ported to else. Yeah, to PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. So, yeah. I think, from what I understand, um, Warner Brothers... So Warner Brothers didn't own the license to that one. Right, okay. Someone else did. Uh, I don't know. And Warner Brothers had to like buy up the license and stuff like that. And for whatever reason, that's why it's only coming out now. So Right. Yeah. Okay. I heard good things about that game, but it was on the Wii U, so I never played it. 
Yeah. Despite having a Wii U. Yeah, I listen, I have games that I own I own Wii U games for a Wii U that I own that I haven't played. I barely because, played things like Because Zombie. it's on Yeah. Because it's on the Wii U. It's yeah. I love my Wii U. Although I did I, unplug it the moment I got my Switch. <laughs> I do like it. I spend a lot of time with it, but yeah. I hope, I hope Mario Maker gets ported because I I don't want to plug my Wii U in again to play Mario Maker, <laughs> but I fucking love Mario Maker stuff. Uh-huh. Also, I looked up that Armageddon game. Yeah. Distinct lack of uh, of scantily clad ladies. Oh, okay. It was just the decks of Destiny. Just... Yeah, no, it looks like a MOBA with some kind of card like deck building element to it. Oh, okay. Doesn't look very interesting, I'll be honest. Fair enough. Uh, also coming out, the only other thing that I've got is uh, two titles for the Nintendo 3DS and uh, it's the Yokai Watch 2. The They're obviously doing the Pokemon thing. You can get a version called Bony Spirits. Oh, and uh, Fleshy Souls is the other one. Neat. I don't know what the difference between those is. One is a uh, bony and spirity, and the other one's a uh, fleshy and souly. I wonder if the souls are dark. No, they're fleshy. They can be both. Yeah, but then it would be called Yokai Watch Two Dark Fleshy Souls. <laughs> dark Fleshy Souls. <laughs> That'd be such a good name. <laughs> Maybe they're saving that for the special Fleshy edition. Dark Souls. Yeah. <laughs> that just sounds rank. She'd be Fleshy Dark Souls and Bony Bloodborns. <laughs> Bony, bony Bloodborne Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, that is it for new releases. So I don't think uh, there is anything else. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Did you forget about anything? or? Uh, I've been playing a lot of Shovel Knight on my Switch. All I've right. Not, I've not really talked about it because we've talked about Shovel Knight a lot on here before in the past. Yes, yeah. Um, I finished it again. That, that game is very good still. That's, cool. That is my update on Shovel Knight. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't have anything really to add. Cool. Uh, I think uh, the only thing we can add then is uh, if you want to send us an email, you can send us an email to podcast at glitchfreegaming.com. You can follow us on Facebook. Just search for Glitch Free Gaming. You'll find us that way. And if you want to tweet us on Twitter, you can find us at Glitch Free Game. Don't go to Instagram because nobody puts anything up there. Next time yeah, we one... do one of our patented glitch-free gaming road trips that we did once. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can see the picture of that time we went to EGX a couple of years ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll need to put uh, put stuff up there or do something with it. Clearly but, uh... we should all go to EGX again. Yes. Yeah, we should. That was good. But I, that is it, I think. Um, so thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, any last thoughts or anything? No. Nah, nah. Play video games. Play your, play near. Near Tomato. Yep. Cool. Damn good. Oh. Game. And uh, play more Horizon as well. I should probably do that. You yeah. should play more Yakuza. I should, yes. So uh, on that note, great. thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you again next week. So until then, see ya. See ya. <laughs>